Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. My name is Remy Hamill. I am a second-year dermatology resident at Washington University in St. Louis, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Jonathan Silverberg on his recent JAD article written with Brian Cheng titled, Predictors of Hospital Readmission in United States Adults with Psoriasis. Dr. Silverberg is Associate Professor of Dermatology at George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. He specializes in dermatoepidemiology with a focus on comorbidities and quality of life. He's published extensively on the patient and population-based burden of atopic dermatitis and other chronic inflammatory skin diseases such as psoriasis. Dr. Silverberg, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you start by telling the listeners how you became interested in looking at psoriasis hospital readmissions? Sure. So this was actually really informed by our clinical experience. We've seen a number of patients with psoriasis, and for that matter, other chronic inflammatory skin diseases, where they're really frequent flyers in terms of being admitted and readmitted to the hospital. Certainly, we see on inpatient consults patients who get hospitalized for flare-ups of chronic disease, but there's a subset of patients that we see that they just you know, keep flaring up or having these comorbidities that are driving them into the hospital. And it's really can be such a challenge to control the overall disease. And so we really wanted to understand how commonly this occurs within that broader population of psoriasis patients. And more importantly, how many patients are getting not just hospitalized, but readmitted to the hospital? Who are those frequent flyers? Your study uses the nationwide readmissions database, which I've learned is a database created by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, which is the same federal organization that published the landmark report to Err as Human in 1999. This readmissions database accounts for half of the total U.S. population and half of all U.S. hospitalizations, so it's quite a robust database. When selecting a database for this type of study, are there many choices and how does one find and choose a database? Yeah, so it's a great question. And when you're looking at these big data exercises, the data source is really the first question that you need to be thinking about and arguably one of the most important ones. For hospital readmissions, this is arguably the best data set out there. And we are fortunate that HRQ has developed this data set as an all-payer database. So for context, the U.S. is a little bit behind, maybe a lot behind some other countries like Denmark or the Netherlands, where there are nationwide registries, where there's access sort of to de-identified data, longitudinally outpatient, inpatient, whole country. We don't have that in the United States, at least not yet, as an all-payer data set that captures both the outpatient and the inpatient experience. So there are smaller studies that may capture all of those. There may be studies that look at a a commercial insurance database like uh, an Optum or some private insurance or even perhaps Medicare data, but none of those really capture the full breadth of the patients that are out there across public insurance, private insurance, et cetera. And so for this particular question, the uh, NRD data set is really the best out there because it's all payer 
It captures the public, the private, the uninsured patients across the entire landscape of the United States and really aims to be sampled in such a way that there's a representative sample of hospital readmissions throughout the United States. Thank you. And that would be amazing, I think, to have finally a database to cover everybody in the country, I guess, something to look forward to. I have a question about the advantages and disadvantages of using the nationwide readmissions database for these types of retrospective cohort studies. For example, the database uses ICD-9 codes at the time of discharge to define psoriasis. And I noticed a study by Murat Isen et al. in the 2008 JAD article where they found that identification of patients with psoriasis by diagnostic codes alone may lead to misclassification in database studies. Any pearls or pitfalls that you could share with a resident thinking about undertaking a study based on ICD code data? Yeah, so this is arguably the most important discussion point or criticism that always comes up when you're mining the big data sets. It's always about how you define your disease, you know, how you define your exposures and your outcomes. And there are some general principles that come up, which are important pearls to think about. And then there's really the, the nitty gritty that is specific to a particular disease or a particular project. We've done some background validation work of the ICD codes for a variety of different chronic inflammatory skin diseases, atopic dermatitis, psoriasis, even toxic epidermal necrolysis, though obviously less acute there, and for a, a number of other disorders, uh, autoimmune blistering disease, pemphigus, pemphigoid, et cetera. One common theme that has come up over and over and over again is, while there's always the possibility of misclassification, if it's problematic at all, it's going to be most problematic in the outpatient setting, where in these chronic disorders, we're still sort of establishing the diagnosis. Maybe they weren't seen by a healthcare provider. Maybe they're given a rule out diagnosis. And there's little techniques for how to sort of address some of that. But in the inpatient setting, the validity of the diagnosis codes really goes up tremendously. And what we found is that even in scenarios where the ICD codes don't work very well in the outpatient setting, like in atopic dermatitis, in the inpatient setting, they're remarkably good. For psoriasis, there have been a few different studies, but actually most studies have found reasonably good validity to the ICD codes, even in the outpatient setting. But our experience has been in the inpatient setting, it's incredibly reliable. So for this particular study, we feel that it is appropriate, but it's always that limitation that comes up because when you deal with a big data set that's de-identified, you don't have the ability to go back into the chart you don't have photos. You don't necessarily have a biopsy on every patient as you might in a prospective you know, registry or longitudinal study. And that's always an important limitation to be acknowledged. Thank you. Turning now to the financial burdens of all of this, the total estimated financial burden for all hospitalizations during the three-year study period for psoriasis was $55 million. This is staggering, and while not surprising, it's disheartening to see that admissions for psoriasis seem to share similar associations with other chronic conditions, such as lower household income, uninsured status, and those with multiple chronic conditions. Do you think that increased epidemiological data highlighting these disparities have helped to increase access to healthcare for these at-risk populations? I hope so. This is such an important goal of this type of research. It's not just for the 
academic exercise of showing these associations, but it's really to highlight the importance of improving access. And there's many different ways that this can be done. So part of that is, if nothing else, to educate us as healthcare providers, whether we're trainees, whether we're out in the field already, that there's more that we can do in our own practices to improve access. Thinking about creative strategies, for example, I like to run my clinics much later than most folks in order to improve access because for so many patients, it's very challenging to just take off from work or find caregivers to, you know, and babysitting during the day. And so, you know, finding creative strategies, having maybe, maybe doesn't have to be every weekend, but offering weekend hours on occasion, finding ways of offering more sick visit slots. You know, so there's some, some strategies that can be done on our end. And I hope that these kinds of data really emphasize that and bring that to life for clinicians. I think there's a much broader conversation though that has to happen in the United States with healthcare because there's obviously these disparities are happening in diabetes and hypertension and cardiovascular disease. You know, they're not unique to dermatology. And I think this gets into that much broader healthcare conversation about universal access and, and how do we improve access to folks living in rural areas where there's just lower physician density. So I think there's a lot of important questions. And I don't know if we've solved all those problems yet. I think we have a long way to go. What I think these data show is that it's not just those internal medicine disorders, right? It's also happening in our field, and we need to think as a specialty creatively to find solutions for that. Thank you for everything that you do to bring that to those patients. Turning to the readmissions data, I learned that 8% of psoriasis patients had one or more readmissions for psoriasis within one year, and a third of patients had greater than one readmission for all causes. A substantial number of patients had multiple readmissions. Readmissions were associated with longer index hospitalization, teaching hospitals, comorbid skin infection but not other infections, and hospitalization in the autumn. Somewhat counterintuitive to me was the readmissions for psoriasis increasing from 2012 to 2014. In my mind, I guess I would have thought that increased biologic treatments for psoriasis increasing as they have been, this might help to keep these patients out of the hospital, but that appears not to be the case. Do you have any thoughts as to why psoriasis readmissions are increasing? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And you know, we can only speculate. We don't have all of those answers, at least yet. I completely agree with, um, you know, the rationale of the question, uh, but I think it's important from an interpretation standpoint to understand that this is not looking at all psoriasis patients out there, right, in the outpatient setting or sort of in the, in the ether of psoriasis patients. This is specifically looking at those folks who've already been hospitalized how many are going to be readmitted or be frequent flyers. And so many of those who have that index hospitalization, index admission, were the ones who unfortunately didn't have access in the first place to some of those newer biologics, those who had public insurance or were underinsured. And because of that, probably weren't able to get good control of this chronic disease in the outpatient setting. And arguably, if they would have, they probably wouldn't have been hospitalized in the first place. Subsequently, they wouldn't have had that readmission. Now, but that may not be the only issue, right? Because there are certainly patients who have 
a variety of different comorbidities. And now psoriasis, there's been such a wealth of research into those comorbidities. And we're starting to see interesting signals, early stuff still, but some drugs seem to have different effects on some of those comorbidities than others. Some may work better on arthritis. Some may work better in terms of cardiovascular disease. Some may not touch the cardiovascular disease, even though they work very well on the skin disease. So as we get more exploration of the comorbidities, I think we'll learn more about how do we treat the whole patient, you know, not just focusing it on the skin lesions, but recognizing that psoriasis is a systemic disease with systemic inflammation and many extracutaneous comorbidities. Now, how do we best address those and if we do a good job of keeping the comorbidities under control, we're also going to keep them out of the hospital much more as well. It sounds like a really exciting future, both for treatment options, but also really encouraging, hopefully, for social aspects of healthcare delivery. Absolutely. I had a question about long-term admission data for psoriasis patients. For example, do we know about readmissions over the lifetime of a psoriasis patient? It's a great question. And that's something that with the way the NRD data are collected by their nature in order to protect the identity and de-identify the information is they're linked across a one-year period, but each year of the NRD is separate from the others. So um, that is there to allow this kind of all-payer data set, but it introduces this limitation that we couldn't look beyond that one-year admission or readmission period. So more work definitely needs to be done in this area. There really are very few studies that have focused in on this issue of readmission. There are some internationally that have looked at this, but of course, you know, when you're looking at this kind of question, every country needs to be approached individually. And we cannot generalize what, what is done in, let's say, Denmark to what is going to happen here in the U.S. because we have a completely different healthcare system and population-based demographics. So I think we just need a lot more studies on this. And this, I think, is a great area. Certainly, if there are any residents who are interested, uh, I think this is a, a very interesting topic to really understand the longer-term picture of this. And that goes back, I guess, also to the hopefulness of a database sometime that will connect all patients for an entire lifetime to be able to have that kind of data. Absolutely. It's sort of the holy grail of, of epidemiology and health services research. And I think we'll get there in the, I wouldn't say so near future, but in the not so distant future either. I think this is becoming a very big priority and would revolutionize our ability to understand the health of patients in the U.S. This next point was surprising to me, I suppose, because I learned antimicrobial peptides such as the cantalicidins and defensins are overexpressed in psoriatic skin. So why I would have thought that infections in psoriasis would be uncommon. However, you found that septicemia was the most frequent non-psoriasis reason for first readmission, followed by skin and subcutaneous tissue infections and other inflammatory conditions of the skin. You highlighted this as well in a 2016 JAD article where you found that infections are increasing in incidence in hospitalized patients with psoriasis with higher rates among non-white and non-privately insured patients. What has been your experience with infections in psoriasis, specifically in preventing and managing infections in patients with psoriasis? Sure. So I think it's a great question. And I want to just uh, address, because I think it is such an important point. 
and has been something that has, I've always thought about because I was taught the exact same thing. You know, that antimicrobial peptides are overexpressed in psoriasis and that should lead to reduced risk of infection. And that's actually based on a manuscript, I believe that was published in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology years back. But that study compared psoriasis, not to healthy controls, at least the initial studies, but to atopic dermatitis. And we know that in atopic dermatitis that there's downregulation of antimicrobial peptides. So it may not have really been a fair comparison in a sense, but follow-up studies that look compared to healthy controls. Some studies found that there was a little bit of an overregulation, but actually other studies found there's no difference from healthy controls. So our premise that we were sort of taught in basic science in dermatology, I think that's a little bit up for grabs still. And I think there's more basic science and translational data that will change our perspective on this over time. But clinically speaking, it has been a challenge for patients who have open wounds, especially those patients who are very itchy, who are scratching, uh, broken down skin barrier, patients, especially around the hands and feet, where there can often be deep fissures and cracks in the skin. That may be a problem in terms of seeding bacteria into the bloodstream. And so I think that to me is something that I always keep in the back of my mind that I really want to restore that skin barrier to try to reduce that possibility. I think we have to be super careful in terms of the medications that we choose, because on the one hand, you would think, well, if you improve the skin barrier and you reduce the, the immune dysregulation, you should presumably reduce the rates of skin infections or perhaps even extracutaneous infections. The challenge is if you're doing it with immunosuppressing medications, you may have competing effects. And, and those immunosuppressing medications may have their own harms that come with that which is why for every therapeutic trial, for every novel medication being studied in psoriasis, skin infections is something that's always examined carefully within the safety data and becomes an important sort of secondary consideration there. But I think this is, for me, it's a call more than anything to aiming for tight control of the disease, but using the safest cocktail of medications that is not gonna further increase the risk of infections for patients. Along those same lines, more than one in three psoriasis patients hospitalized for psoriasis were readmitted within one year. So we know that patients with psoriasis are at increased risk for readmission, both due to their psoriasis as well as to other causes. What can we do to lower readmission rates among psoriasis patients? I guess you already touched on some of those, those ideas, but any other thoughts about lowering readmission rates among psoriasis patients? Yeah, I think this is crucial. We have to understand from a cost perspective, these hospitalizations are arguably some of the most burdensome forms of utilization to the healthcare system. So there's reasons why we'd want to, from an economic standpoint, improve things. But of course, from a longevity, from a safety standpoint, from an overall disease control standpoint, we have many reasons why we want to achieve tighter control and keep them out of the hospital as much as possible. I think in addition to some of the things we talked about earlier, perhaps one of the most important things we can do is to make sure that patients who are discharged from the hospital are going to get in to see a dermatologist ASAP. And there are many hospital-based dermatology departments that have arrangements with, let's say, emergency departments and with the inpatient setting that if someone is discharged from the hospital, they're going to be seen within 24, 48 hours. I think that kind of setup is absolutely imperative because if these patients linger 
then they're going to just flare up again. They're going to end up in the hospital. We know how challenging it can be to get into dermatology in certain settings. But if we don't carve out those slots and we don't make sure that those patients have a way of getting in in an expedited fashion, this cycle is just going to continue itself. Yes, I agree. I think that's something anyone who spent any time on the consult service with the frustration of of seeing those patients readmitted, how frustrating it is for them, the provider, for everybody, agreed, I think. You've done a lot of work looking at readmissions in skin disease, including a similar article also with Brian Cheng, looking at predictors of hospital readmission in atopic dermatitis. Overall, in that study, 17% of inpatients with atopic dermatitis were readmitted within one year for all causes. What's next for you in terms of research on this topic? Yeah, so we've looked at some other disorders as well and seen similar patterns. And it's fascinating how some disorders are associated with higher rates of readmission than others. I think the higher rates of readmission, you know, for different diseases may be a reflection of some of those therapeutic unmet needs, or again, just limited access to treatment. One of the directions that we want to look at next is really understanding sort of the, take one step back, if you will. If we can look at a data set and see, what if we do get tighter control, right? What about those patients who get better control in the outpatient setting? Does that really work to stop this subset of frequent flyers from getting into the hospital into the first place? And I think the first step has to be done observationally to understand sort of outside of just that within the hospitalized patient setting, but across all psoriasis patients, does better disease control, more aggressive treatment, earlier you know, initiation of advanced therapy, keep these patients out of the hospital? And then step two would be, I think we really need to think about clinical trials to examine some of this stuff. These can be added in as exploratory outcomes in pivotal studies or in long-term extension studies for a variety of the different therapeutics that are being developed for psoriasis. These are opportunities for pragmatic trials, which are becoming very hot now. But we really need longer-term data, and we need to understand how we, as dermatologists, and the treatments that we prescribe on a daily basis can really uh, serve to prevent these kinds of hospitalizations. We've touched on a lot of different things from the databases you use to the financial costs to avoiding readmissions and some of the factors associated with those. Do you have any key takeaways you'd like to highlight for our listeners? Yeah, so to me, I think maybe one of the most important aspects that comes up for me is really recognizing the importance of what we do. I think, you know, we do, we do so much work in the neoplastic area and in skin cancer, and obviously of tremendous importance. And I think sometimes folks almost forget about how important, you know, the management of these chronic diseases can be within dermatology and how rewarding it can be when you can have a patient who's getting a hospitalized sometimes three to six times a year and just change their life and reset that with appropriate therapy. So to me, it's a call to arms that for all the trainees and practitioners out there, to really, you know, make sure to see these patients and to not fear the train wrecks, but to embrace them and try to do whatever <laughs> we can to improve their quality of life and longevity. Dr. Silverberg, thank you so much for speaking with me today and sharing your expertise in this episode of JAD Podcasts for Dialogues in Dermatology. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. 
For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.